Well, uh, so so we're 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 moving we're moving to Amsterdam now. Now that's a thing. Whoa. That's a thing all on its own. You know for sure. That's that's what you call a topic. But uh, consequent uh, because of that, I don't know what that phrase structure is consequent to that. But because of that, we're also like selling our house, which or or I guess you rented your house, right, Matt Ray? Uh, uh yeah, it's, it'll be back on the market soon. Are, are you like <laughs> I call that a theoretic rental. Uh, but, yeah. But you know, we, you gotta you gotta pack up all your stuff and then clean up the house. And and my my wife has done pretty much all of the cleaning and getting things ready. Now there's two things because you don't do it right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! That's because, wait, wait, maybe I'm projecting. <laughs> that's because that's it. Sounds like you have your own issues that do not occur in our family, Matt. I don't know. I don't know what okay. you're talking about. Uh, but uh, it's also because I've been, you know, I got to work and travel uh, like a dunderhead. Uh, so anyways, there's two things. One, uh, you should, you, and by you, I mean the listener, you should really do this whole spring cleaning. Like every week, you should, every year, you should set aside a week where you're just like, I'm just going to fix up the house. Because man, as often, as always happens, when you're fixing up a house to move, it's sort of like, this, this now kind of looks like a house I'd like to live in. It's great. <laughs> like... We got the yard all fixed up. You get everything done. Like you fix your house up, you paint the baseboards, like everything. You scrub the grout. And by you, I mean my wife. And uh, everything's awesome. So that's a good idea. You should always like you should maintain your house. But just have a week where you're like, we're gonna pretend like we're we're uh, moving and we're selling the house, so we're gonna fix it up like that. And uh, my second thing uh, is, you don't need all that stuff that you have. You should just, yeah. you should just get, just get rid of it. Just like, so, get yeah. rid of it. So, so, so moving to Australia, uh, I'm going to hazard to guess was, um, more expensive to send stuff to Australia than to Amsterdam. Mm, and, yeah, uh, yeah. um, so we didn't bring anything. I mean, we, we, uh, let me, let me start dropping pro tips on you and the listeners here, Cote. Uh-huh. Um, we, when you and your family of four fly to Amsterdam, uh, each of you can have two pieces. I'm not saying that you're going to bring 200, you know, uh, 400 pounds of, of uh, stuff in your baggage, but you should bring 400 pounds of stuff in your baggage. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. <laughs> I've, that I've, the cheapest shipping. <laughs> I've, I've looked that up. We, oh, oh, right, because this is the free stuff. I've looked it up, and, and I need to go look at this again because I think the American Airlines, and therefore, I mean, we'll fly an American, right? Like just one last send off if 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 you if you're in our slack channel you'll see i've i'm i've i'm in quite a pickle about my status with the airlines but whatever uh you'll be fine yeah yeah i know i know that's what i that's what i finally convinced myself of at 2 30 a.m last night when this was keeping me up but uh <laughs> <laughs> i put a lot of thought into my wow my my stuff i thought i had problems yeah well <laughs> you know i got real problems matt ray but yeah uh, uh yes i i think we each will get two pieces of luggage and i forget i think 80 pounds i forget how many pounds it is but the confusing thing is the other limitation is that if you add up the width the height and the depth it has to be 68 inches in total and i don't know what kind of weird ancient <clears throat> greek system that is that must be in like Her- heraclitus's lost fragments whatever kind of geometry that all is. right but, here comes pro tip two and three kote all right lay it on me <laughs> pro tip number two Find those dimensions. Uh-huh. You go to Amazon and you buy duffel bags that size. Duffel bag. I was thinking boxes. Would a box work, or should I get a duffel? Boxes bag? are hard to. Duffel bags. You can get a decent. You can get one that'll survive. You know, four or five trips across the the ocean for oh, like twenty five bucks. No, that's that. Right? Ooh, I, this is good thinking. Yeah, I, I literally bought like eight duffel bags. Now, if Amazon. I if I wanted to spend a lot of money. <laughs> If I wanted to spend a lot of money, you could don't. I could I feed my Patagonia urge and buy a bunch of their black holes and oh. probably spend like two thousand dollars? Well, that's the point, Kote. You're buying probably six of these, right? You're still going to use a little bit of your regular luggage, uh-huh. but you know, um, man, it's like I'm fucking robbing four. a bank here. So I'm going to remember <laughs> if I'm on the way to the airport with my new lady to New Zealand, I don't need to kill that person and, and, and you know stop and kill that one person who screwed me over. Just go to the airport. Get that flight to New Zealand. Everything will be All cool. Right. And here, and, and pro tip number three, maybe the most controversial, mm-hmm. uh, um, and you've probably done this before, but you've got a little bit of status on your airline. Lean into it. 
<laughs> if you have any trouble, you'd be like, oh yeah, well you know, um, you know, being being you're going to be on American, your American airlines, but you're going to be flying, I don't know, BA and Ryanair and all that stuff. Um, you'd be like, oh yeah, American always lets me do this. <laughs> oh, yeah? Which is also huh. kind of a, a, a permutation of the, the, the dumb American, you know, I'm not saying to abuse that, but you know, when it comes time to travel with your family, uh-huh. sometimes you have to abuse your status. Well, well let's dig into this. I'm not saying be rude. Yeah, yeah, I hear, I hear. Let's dig into this a little bit because there's only one thing to talk about this week, basically. But uh, so I'll limit myself. But but a that duffel bag <laughs> suggestion is phenomenal. That is a really good idea. Because I and and then and then secondarily, I think it's also a good idea because uh, so I'll be going over to Amsterdam twice before I move there. So uh, you know, and my wife is going with me next week. Uh, and so we can take luggage, and I got myself a little storage shed so we can like drop stuff off Ooh. there, right? Boom. That's good. That's because Amsterdam's like half the distance of Sydney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my and, wife had never been to Australia when I moved the family there. Ah, uh, yes. So, so I'll have two trips, and on the first trip, I need to check on what my companion can do. But on the first trip, I can take two bags, and she can at least take one, not counting a carry-on bag, which. You know, you better, better believe. Uh, internationally, you always get two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But then, when I return from our Amsterdam trip next week, I will have become, uh, you know, not only killer of worlds, but uh, executive platinum. In which case, three. Ooh, I can dope. take three bags. Boom. So yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then make so, sure you can leverage that for your family. And now you just added 200 more pounds of free shipping. Yeah. That's there. You go. That's money in the bank. And maybe maybe this is how I See, can justify I was... buying a bunch of Patagonia black holes, because uh, it's. it's... <laughs> <laughs> what about Cote? What about embracing? I mean, Mary, did you try? Like, you know, I always think of this as a software project. What about embracing the other side of this, being like, everybody gets to take. You get to take two duffel bags to your new home. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. That's it. Like that's, that's the we did that too. We did that too. So, so it's yeah. just like, you don't, so it's like, okay, guys, everybody, so that way, you know, everyone has, can run through their own, uh, rubric of decision-making, like, you know, for your son or your daughter, it's like, do I take the stuffed animal or do I take the t-shirt? You know what I mean? Like everyone can go through that on their own and be like, cause we've, I now in a much different situation. This is like the family vacation policy of our house. It's like, we're not, we're not checking any bags. Everyone has a carry on. You can take nice. whatever you want, but wow. it has to fit, fit That's in harsh. there. Right. That's harsh. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's the other way. I'm going to go the other way. It's because most of the time I find when we go to a vacation, we, you generally don't need as much as you take. That has been a consistent rule. Yeah. That was at least yeah. long, right? And so you've so, got one kid, I've got three. Right. So, I know, but so no, we, I'm not saying like per, but I'm saying, but per child, right? So in case you'd be like, okay, <laughs> you got this bag. What's important to you? With some general parameters, like it can't all be toys. Like, yes, you have to bring some clothes, right? But like, it's like, you know, because I, I don't, I just feel like it would work out. Like you, it's uh, to Cote's original point here, like throw, throw some stuff out of the house that you're selling. It's like, you know, when you get there, one, you can buy stuff. Like if you absolutely needed it and you forgot it. And you think that you can buy it. And then two, it's like, I, I do think a lot of that stuff you just won't need. You know, you'll find a way right. to do without. Um, so I don't know. That would just be my uh, never having moved abroad <laughs> would be my pro yeah. tip. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And that's, well, that's, and that's also based, it's a that's... good opportunity. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it's a good opportunity to, to revisit all the crap that you have in your life. Right. Like your house, you've moved a couple of times. And, and each time you move, you probably there's stuff that. You know, you're like, oh, I haven't touched this in a year. Better put it in a box and bring it to the new house. And, and you know, and then that stuff kind of accumulates. So, you know, when we moved to Australia, we, you know, we have a storage unit. has a bunch of furniture in it. All the things that are in there, you know, we've had two years to stop and think, like, do, what do we miss? Right? And there were a couple things we miss. And, you know, if, if uh, we get a chance, you know, we'll, <laughs> we tried to crack open the storage unit, but... Those those movers they play a mean game of Tetris. Um, <laughs> you know we, we couldn't we we could not get anything out. But uh, there you know so we bought a few replacement things. But you know the the luggage that you bring on the flight that'll be clothes mostly. Yeah. Um, things that can you can take on a plane and then you'll still have to ship a few things. Like my wife sent some of her cooking stuff. You know uh, 
you kind of do the calculus of like, is this cheaper to ship or to replace? Yeah. Um, and you know, Australia, <laughs> a lot of things were cheaper to replace. Um, but but yeah, yeah I, I I feel like and it's and, a and then to, to in, in in the in the era of IKEA, I think replacing things, if you can put up with IKEA stuff, is <laughs> probably okay. And then you know, I was when we were thinking about this, I was pricing out you know the core items like a coffee machine and a refrigerator. And I don't know. I mean, nope. they're not that bad. And there's also like, you know, you get stuff from Amazon and, and other things. And then, uh, but but to your point, Brandon, I mean, that that's basically the theory we're operating under. I, I, you know, I, I feel like even if we maximize all of the stuff, it's not going to be that much. And and I think my my whole thing is like probably what we need to bring the most of is like clothes and kid shoes. Right. Like because those. Yes. Because those are like your everyday like, you know, I'm I'm attached to my, the clothes are the thing that's hardest for me to get rid of. And then you got shoes. Right. Like and, and also the kids like they have clothes and kids clothes are expensive because they go through them so much. And so like, uh, yeah, we'll probably bring mostly clothes and shoes. And then there's a few things that we have like we should bring the ski clothes that we have. But I think we'll maybe ship that. Because my understanding is it actually snows in Europe uh, and gets cold, uh, and and I think th- those things are even expensive here. I can't imagine how much they cost in Europe to get like winter clothing, so we should probably take those. Yeah. But other than that, I don't know, like my shaving brush, and and of course there's like toys. <laughs> the kids will want to take toys, but it is like there's another sure. calc, and then I'll wrap Wait. it up. But there's another calculus I run through my head of like I'm pretty sure we shouldn't store anything of the kids because when we get back in two years, they'll have outgrown all of it, like toys and clothes and everything. So you can just like, I think the only exception, there might be a couple of them, but I think Legos will keep because Legos last a long time and they're really expensive and we have a boatload of them. Yeah. We shipped a lot of Legos. Those, those, that might've been, that's up there with books for, you know, density per shipping. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then right, also, also, the other also thing, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. As I say, but the other thing, I, to get off the, the, the moving side of it, but like the, the airline says, I feel like you need to embrace the other side of this. Like, cause I, I would assume at this point you've got like, how, are you like a million miler, two million miler? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be 1.5 at the end of this month. Yes. Okay, because that means you're guaranteed gold for life, right? That's so right. really, very good, nice. Yeah, you got the knowledge. Airline, uh, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call this airline uh, diversification, right? It's like, okay, mm. you know, if you're not gonna get, because I think the next cutoff is like five to get, like I don't know, I can't remember, it's, like it's in two the, million but, so, to get platinum. So really, it's like, can, yeah. So I don't know. I guess you're not necessarily that far, but it's like the other way. It's like, hey, it's it is handy because uh, I know some people at IBM. That were used to like kind of like do this. It's like once you kind of get enough status on American, that's sort of like built in. Especially if you get to platinum, then they were like take Delta was just the other carrier, mm-hmm. and they were trying to basically build up to get you know make their way to get a million miles on Delta. That way you sort of have you know permanent status like yeah. throughout throughout your life. So so I, I think this that. is going to be your chance. And um, I don't know KLM. I don't know. I can't remember which which Sky program team. they are, but this will be your chance. Sky Team is that United here in the no, United it's States? Delta, or is it Delta? So there you go. So this will be your chance to be Ruby. You know, start start get the, uh, the Ruby status, <laughs> yeah, right? And they, yeah. well on your way. Yeah, I signed uh, up for the KLM thing, and for some reason, uh, it, it might I don't know, remember my password, and I've gone through the reset password like four times, and it hasn't emailed me. So I wrote the people in Twitter, and they said it would reset, but I haven't gotten it yet, so I might have to write them again. But I think what I'm doing is. Is I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna sign up for KLM and every now and then I'm gonna have to fly on Lufthansa like in Europe and like I don't know that's what I'm gonna do I'm I'm thinking because my executive platinum status will run out in uh, February first twenty twenty right and so I think what I'll do is I'll fly like long haul stuff on One World if I can and then I'll just take whatever I can get in continental Europe. And like I was talking about this just re- uh, on my my podcast, the Cashed Out podcast at cashedout.coffee. And I was saying like the thing is, uh, when you're on the continental Europe, all the flights are like an hour. So whatever, <laughs> right? Like it's not yeah, really that big matter. Of a deal. <laughs> That's yeah. a 
adorable. <laughs> exactly. All right. That right can't even go to Sydney in an hour and he lives there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm going I'm going to India Monday. Oh yeah. my gosh. I don't know. Right. So that'll that'll be you know. Brandon is kept saying we need to have an episode where we talk about moving abroad, which we should do at some point. But that's uh... yeah, yeah. We guys <laughs> we... are going to do it. We're going to do it. We'll put it in the software defined interviews. But I I have to say oh. I have to say Matt Ray duffel bags. People who really Genius. want it can listen. Yep. So why don't I why don't one of that. we'll save that for the other? Why why don't one of you tell us uh, who this episode is brought to them us? Who's sponsoring this episode? <laughs> I will. I, I'm happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by Datadog, and they are a monitoring platform for cloud, cloud scale infrastructure and applications. Of course, you can sign up for a free trial. Go to www.datadog.com slash SDT. And they also want you to know that they're going to be having a conference called Dash. It's in New York City. It's going to be July 11th and 12th. Of course, you can register for the conference at www.dashcon.io/sdt. Don't worry if you didn't get all that because it's in the show notes. And if you put in the discount code DASHSDT, you will save 20%. Of course, tell your friends or tell them that your friends at Software Defined Talks sent you. And uh, I was just looking at you know some of the keynotes, and it looks like they're going to have uh, somebody that. Uh, from NASA, that was like the flight director. He's going to be giving some talk. I have no idea exactly what the talk is going to be about, but I think anytime someone from NASA with the you know flight flight director title is going to stand up, I would anticipate there being uh, talk of uh, astronauts and great pictures from space. So that sounds like it's <laughs> going to be fantastic. I would be going to that that keynote myself. Um, so check it out. It's going to be a great conference. And as always, we thank Datadog for being a great sponsor. So what are we going to talk about this week? <laughs> well, I think, you know, the major news, as we know, Matt Ray, was uh, the uh, acquisition of a small company called GitHub for uh, $7.5 billion uh, by Microsoft. So the first question is, uh, is this totally insane or is this good corporate strategy? Matt, please enlighten us. <laughs> I, I'm your go-to for corporate strategy. I like that. Um yeah, yeah, I, I think this is a genius move by Microsoft. Um, <clears throat> you know, they—I know uh, I myself probably would have been in this boat years ago. Um, there's a lot of uh, open source graybeards who, um, you know, they're they're pulling their hair and and rending their teeth and and saying, you know, uh, Microsoft is going to ruin everything. But you know, this is a different company uh, than it was, you know, five years ago, uh, let alone you know ten, um, and so. Yeah, I, the world is different now, and you know, they're, Microsoft buying uh, GitHub really cements Microsoft's uh, intention of being in the middle of the developer experience. Um, obviously, you know, GitHub was already there. Um, Microsoft was there for let's let's just call it half the software industry, right? Because <laughs> um, that, that, that's what it feels like. You know, I know all the cool kids are are all on the the React and the the Node and whatnot, but. Uh, uh, the real enterprise world is about half, you know, half Java, half .NET, and you know, sprinkling of other stuff. But um, you know, Microsoft uh, has has come a long way in reaching out to open source communities. They were the most active uh, um, companies to GitHub. Uh, there was a joke from uh, uh, Miguel Miguel de, de Casa, uh, the Xamarin Simeon guy. Uh, who said, you know, they, they, they buy GitHub to reduce their bill. <laughs> <laughs> Very so, funny. Good Twitter yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah good, good Twitter joke. Um, so there, there's definitely, they, they've really cemented um, their place in the developer ecosystem. I mean, I there were there was talk that GitHub, uh, that, that Google was interested and perhaps even bidding against them, but uh, that might have worked. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not a lot of, Acquirers who would not have, um, I don't know, you know, uh, poisoned the well, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, my first question is like every one of the various pieces that, and I think this is really interesting, sort of cites like almost like makes GitHub synonymous with open. I don't really, I guess I don't, I don't know. I just think that's interesting because like I understand like GitHub just seems like the number one people basically, you know, 
check yeah. in or push push source code. But like it's nothing about it. It, yeah, and, and one of the things they can obviously – some of the source code is open source. Some of the sur- source code is just like – I won't even call it open source. It's just like stuff people put up that's public, right? It's just like <laughs> yeah. random, right? It's not like it's a community. It's just like, hey, here's my uh, like uh, here's my Stanford programming project. I just threw it mm-hmm. up. You know what I mean? It's a, kind of like a resume yep. thing. And then, of course, there's the enterprise GitHub, right, which is – I don't know. I mean my guess is like you know that most of the stuff is behind some type of password protected, you know, not open – Right. Um, I, you know, I'd love for them to do it. So I don't know. I just, I just think it's interesting that like so many people kind of equate this to open source and then micro. And it's like, it doesn't feel like that to me. It just feels more like this is a really popular that may or may not have some type of open source, but also it's like that it's used. Like I would assume it's the number one thing used by enterprises everywhere. Right. Probably even yeah. more so the fact that so many like the media just sort of like and then kind of equated this like you know because like the 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 straw man that's always being set up is just well microsoft is now gets open source and this github thing is sort of sort of like sets that up or kind of shows them that they've embraced it and i just i don't know to me i just think of it more like this is just a tech you know just as it says just a tech a place to put lots of source code that doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with open source in my mind. So I don't know. I kind of don't, I don't know. But, I don't know why that narrative is so popular. Um, because you've got network effects, you know, all the people, you know, are on GitHub and all the code that you're contributing to and pulling from is on GitHub. And when you go to send a patch to someone, it's on GitHub and all the tooling out there works with GitHub. Um, you know, See, and it, but you're making it works the point, with GitLab. I think and it works you are, you, you hit on, like, you should write for the, the register. Coach A. Lab took you up. Like, this is what I think someone, I want someone to write. It's like the, the meaningful, valuable thing here is the network effect, right? Oh, That's yeah, what it is. It's like, that is what matters is that everyone views this as a place to, like, store all your projects, whether they be open source, whether they be personal projects, or whether they be, you know, your enterprise uh, application that you're doing at work. And that network effect has value, but it like to me that is like distinctly different than you know being open source, right? And well, and, oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely, right? And, yeah, but, and I think that's and I just I don't know. I guess that's like I don't like to me that's like all the value of this because like really source control like as a technology, not you know, not not, not compelling the, not, at all, right? Not but, not super complicated to build, but the network effect almost insurmountable, right? And I think that's where I, if there's a downside to this deal is like is is does the network effect diminish because it's owned by microsoft right that sort of seems right. like that is like the the debate i think people are having which is re, which is and i think that's distinctly different than open source it's like open source oh, wow. is going to live on no matter what in some form but you know github is just like is just kind of separate from all of that no I, I, I agree no, what but... was the what was the i was busy looking up microsoft's five-year share price what, what is the uh <laughs> What what's the network effect in this case? The fact that all developers are there. Oh, okay, okay. Right? So, so so then you could and, use that and, to sell more the, stuff to developers. Absolutely, but okay. but just you know, it's not just they bought the place where the code happens. Mm-hmm. They've bought the workflow of the current generation of developers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone is familiar with GitHub. Um, the competition, you know, uh, GitLab, Bitbucket, whoever. You know, they're not saying, oh, we have a different way of using Git. You know, they're saying this is the workflow that you're used to. We'll give it to you behind the firewall or give it to you, you know, on-prem or whatever. But it's still everyone equates development today with, you know, I go to GitHub, I do a pull request, I check it out. You know, that that's the workflow that they've bought. Yeah. And, 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 you know, 10, 15 years ago, that might have been, you know, Visual Studio for half the people out there, you know, three quarters of the people out there, they're like, you know, I use Visual Studio and that's where my coding happens. And now it's GitHub, um, you know, t- GitHub tied to, you know, VSTS or, you know, some CI tool or Jenkins or what have you, but GitHub is just in the middle of everything. Yeah. And- well, no doubt. And I think that real question here, because I, I 100% agree. And I think the, I guess the question, I mean, I guess we can answer it. The, it's what is that worth? In this case, it's worth 7.5 billion. And that's like, I don't know, because I, you know, part of me just thinks it's, it is actually a pretty, that it's reasonable to pay this. But another part of me is just like, yeah, you're in the middle of the workflow, but like it doesn't, you know, if you get in, the, if you try to do anything to the workflow, the backlash could be so quick that, you know what I mean? Like you essentially lose the value. So it's like, what does Microsoft, like, is it just almost like in, um, 
you know, popular culture, like if you're launching like some type of, you know, a piece of clothing or sportswear or whatever, like what do you do? You go get some type of celebrity or professional athlete endorsement, right? It sort of like gives you credibility. And and from that standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense. Microsoft's sort of just going to get credibility as being like a premier cloud vendor just by owning this, right? And mm-hmm. not do it, not necessarily doing anything, right? It's just like we just need you to just see that it's, it's Microsoft maybe on the GitHub site in a really small font somewhere. Um, but then it's like, but it's the temptation though, then to like get it in the middle of it to be like, well, like to make it like slightly easier to like go to Azure, you know, than Amazon oh, sure. or whoever else. And like, because as soon as you do that, right, it's almost like a celebrity endorsement that, that the celebrity gets old, right? Or the athlete retires. <laughs> and it's like, actually, it's not so good to be, uh, Acquainted by them, and <laughs> like, I just think, yeah, or Bill Cosby endorsement. Yeah, please. yeah, like that was a bad endorsement. Stop, right? So I, I don't know. Like that'll be like the real challenge here is to, for them to walk the line because somebody's got a spreadsheet and someone's like, hey, they make three hundred million. We paid seven point five billion. We're gonna get paid back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a big difference there. We I, want I think- our money back. Like, and there's gonna be pressure. I okay. I I've had time to write my verbal report here. And, and uh, my, my, my connection is a little <laughs> laggy, but I record on my end, so at least the listeners will be able to hear it. And, well, and then building off, I think their revenue is $100 million a year, and they took $300 million in yeah. funding, right? So they, oh. they have even less. Three times as less. Did I do that math right? Or whatever? But, uh, or is that two yeah, times? Yeah, so it's 75 multiplier. So, so here, here's the three things I think about. One uh, as I was looking up, like it's, it's always interesting when someone pays in stock rather than cash. And, uh, probably for the people who are receiving the stock, it's much better to get stock than cash. Cause if you look at the five year chart of Microsoft share price, it's gone from basically, and I'm looking at a graph, so I don't know, 35, let's see, just $39 in 2014 to now just over a hundred dollars right now in 2018. Right. So if that trajectory continues or even half of it, you end up getting paid more in the future, you know, taking out your uh, your net present value and all that kind of bullshit. But you're going to get a lot more. The Microsoft stock is hot. It's a good stuff. So that's a good thing to get a hold of. And then plus you're yeah. probably in what, like a three up, three year golden handcuff period. Uh, so so whatever. You got to wait anyways. So that probably is better than getting uh, getting cash. Although. Although the conversion of the people who have all the GitHub options, who aren't the executives, who knows what, what they get. It's probably fine, more or less. Um, and so uh, so you got that. That's interesting to, to, to pay that way. And then also, you know, I don't really, I never learned how you value this because I think it affects your books the same. But in theory, it's easier for a company to pay in stock rather than cash. Like it's less of a big deal, but I don't mm-hmm. know. That sounds suspicious, but maybe that's also the case. Like it's cheaper for Microsoft to pay in stock than uh, in, than in, in cash. But again, I don't know. Uh, so then, so then I think there's two cases, two things you make. One, you can make. Let's call it the strategic case, which is like, never mind how much money you paid for it. What's the deal with that? Which I think y'all have talked about a lot, right? Is like uh, Microsoft has always been huge with developers over its whole tenure as all the the qualitative coverage has gone over and so if we believe that microsoft is losing uh market share of developers and the ability to kind of appeal to developers then naturally as matt ray was saying you would buy the current leader in developer focus which which is github right and not only do people check their code into there but they have the whole like social networking thing and i remember when i would interview developers about where do you go to find your information no one would say the blogs anymore they would say twitter and github that's the only places i ever look for anything there's no no developer works or whatever the server side whatever us old fogies used to use so sure you acquire all that developer stuff and then you could even think portfolio wise like uh i don't know what microsoft's like team foundation server and visual studio business is like anymore but it could probably use help (laughs) <laughs> right like so you basically you basically well, it's it's not github <laughs> yeah yeah so you basically add github to that and now you have as they would say in coverage or press releases the premier uh all sorts of developer like thing portfolio right and again never minding monetization yet uh and and in that case like because 
because Java is like a lot more fragmented and not like one solid thing. Like basically, the landscape is and is a lot more fragmented than it than it used, has been for the last twenty years, let's say. So it's easier to like grab bigger parts of it, especially with something that's uh, polyglot. Do people still say that polyglot like GitHub is, which which is interesting. So yeah. it all makes sense from like a let let's we could also call that. Wouldn't you like to own GitHub? <laughs> so, sort of case, <laughs> and and I think now 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 uh, to contrast that, as as someone was saying somewhere, like so Oracle could buy uh, GitHub, and that wouldn't make as much sense in the wouldn't you like to own GitHub thing, right? Like developers are not as central to overall Oracle as they are to Microsoft, right? So. They're important, but like somehow not as much. And it certainly wouldn't make sense for SAP to buy them. Uh, and it wouldn't make sense for Cisco to buy them. <laughs> and like all these other people who have money. And then, and then you look at someone like, oh. a, like a Google and like, uh, you know, I always am careful what I say about Google because maybe I'll work there one day. But like Google doesn't, doesn't seem like they would have the chops to do any, to like monetize uh, an acquisition like this. Like it would be Google, a weird. Google, yeah. They're they're like a safe haven for things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it would be a weird. They certainly have the cash, but it would be, it would be a different acquisition. So, I think all around right. micro. I I always leave one of the other big people out. I mean, I guess I guess there's us. There's the Apple, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, and Apple, Apple. Oh, yeah. They just acquire stuff and stick it in a black hole. And so they would just they would send you a notice thirty days later and be like, you should download your repository because we're shutting this fucker down. Toodles. So like that Apple doesn't really acquire <laughs> stuff. So I don't know. It makes sense. And uh, like strategically, what, what, what were you going to say, Matt Ray, though? You were starting to say something. Oh, I mean, if you looked at, at the, the other potential acquirers, right? The ones you, you just rattled off. I mean, they, they, any of them who buys GitHub besides probably Google or, or Microsoft it's a fundamental change in their business model, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, if you looked at, 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 you know, uh, you know, let, let, let's, let's take Oracle, everyone's, you know, favorite punching bag. Um, you know, Oracle clearly wants to be part of, you know, the, the current cloud topics, right? You know, they're, uh, you know, the, the ma magic quadrant showed that they are coming up, you know, they're headed the right direction. They're saying, a lot of the right words. They're trying to keep up on the investment side of cloud. They're doing a lot of developer outreach. And you know, if they had acquired GitHub, um, I'm sure there would have been a you know pulling of hair out like when you know Sun was acquired. Um, but they could also use this as you know this is the next page in Oracle. We want to you know we want to uh, change the way everything happens. Um, please don't leave our GitHub acquisition. <laughs> um, so, so GitHub is is a cultural inje you know, injection for most companies who buy them. Maybe not Microsoft. No, that makes sense. And and then and then you know uh, to add some more. Obviously, you don't make the case for acquiring a company because out of your competitors, you're the only one that logically makes sense. There'd be a lot more acquisitions if that was how you do acquisitions. But uh, we of course left IBM off. Uh, so like. May, maybe that would make sense. But again, I think IBM's kind of in a position that Oracle is in where developers are important, but like other things are more important in a different way. But it's interesting to think about that because, you know, they have clear case and the whole, I'm sure it's called, uh, well, I'm sure it's called something like, you know, intelligent something nowadays, but there's there's the whole rational line and all of that. So there, there could be some sense in Watson that. Watson for developers. There you go. But but the price tag is, is I, I, I don't know IBM well enough, but I would think it's, the price tag is too high for what IBM would do with it, not, not to get to the third thing. And then, and then there's people, there's kind of like the, let's call them one and a half tier. There's people like CA who do a lot of developer stuff, but they probably don't have the money unless they got like some loan from a PE firm or something. And also like, I, I think more interestingly, like with someone like CA or even a BMC, the synergies, I haven't used that word in a long time, the synergies aren't good enough. Like, I don't think CA and BMC would be able to turn around and bring in new new revenue and also just new stuff 
that GitHub couldn't do on its own or that Microsoft couldn't do better. And then I guess finally there's like, you know, everyone's favorite. You could have private equity, but like uh, GitHub's not that kind of company. <laughs> like, like at best what or I forget who owns Smart Bear now, but you would take something like a Smart Bear and like bundle it up with GitHub and maybe get like one other thing and you would have some uh, other thing. But but GitHub's popular enough that, that, that their multiple is probably nutty and you can't get it at a depressed enough rate that you would turn it around and have it survive. Right. I mean that that that's more for yeah, that's like distressed properties, right? Yeah. I, we I, pay I cash think, for uh, your house today. <laughs> Uh, so, so then, exactly. We're gonna but I do think, that, but it, yeah. yeah but but what about Cote? If you just ran this, what if we just ran this through like kind of like the old investment bank uh, oh, no, rubric is, of? So that's, uh, well. Hey, hey, but but no. As I say, the question would just be like, okay, so Microsoft has done this acquisition. Is Microsoft today seven point five billion dollars more valuable than it was yesterday? Like that's just the simple thing. Like, okay, they spent all this money. Do we think really the company is appreciated? And if it isn't, right, that's kind of the question is, like, was it more valuable? Like, this whole idea, like, I mean, in theory, right, you're buying a company because it's more valuable for you to own it than it is for it to be standalone, right? That's the whole, like, theory behind yeah. these acquisitions. And it's like, so on the face of that, it's like, you know, the only way to me that it gets there is to say they believe ownership of it and the affinity or whatever programs they put in place will allow them to sell X percent more Microsoft Azure, you know, services, right? That's the yeah. only way you're ever going to get to the point. It's some kind of multiple that like, yeah, actually, this is going to make us $20 billion because, you know, so many more people are going to be familiar with us, even if it's not direct. I don't think it has to be like they download a GitHub and they immediately sign up for Azure, but just like there's some affinity that's happening. Yeah. Um, or kind of like Linux, I think is the counter example here, right? Like, like Linux, I think the reason, maybe one of the many reasons it succeeded, right, over other forms of Unix at the time was that it, it wasn't owned by anybody, right? It was actually more valuable as like its own standalone thing than it was owned, you know what I mean? Like that if someone had bought it and like really like clamped down on it. So, I mean, I think that's the question going forward mm. for this. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting little M&A train of thought about Linux. But, you yeah, know, and, and so then that gets to the third thing uh, I was thinking of is like, the uh the business case so to speak right which 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 you're going through uh, a little bit there and and like so so the number you start out with is 7.5 billion which again i mean you know there's it's you can monkey around with the exact amount because it's it's stock and shares and all that stuff but like we just focus on that valuation and then you know in theory you want to get uh a return on your investment over five to eight years that's greater than 20 percent I don't know. Like, like you got to pick some sort of uh, some sort of number that you're trying to beat. And then if they have a hundred million in revenue right now, I can't do the math, but that's a pretty big ramp uh, in in revenue. Yeah. Now, now, uh, now that said, there's all of these like strategic things we keep talking about, right? So one of the other things you could and this is the, oh, spread, yeah. the spreadsheet you keep talking about, Brandon. Like you uh, you could load into the spreadsheet. Uh, how is this going to mollify the risk of our cloud business of our Azure stuff not working out in, in the sense of uh, a huge part of us driving revenue to Azure is getting not only developers in, in the red monk sense, but also enterprises to pick to run on Azure. And so the way that we're going to pitch that is that everything works seamlessly together all in one and it's worth paying a premium on that because it will be more efficient than you cobbling together all of this stuff on your own, essentially. So, and this is like having been a Java developer, this was the core of the Microsoft developer pitch is everything works perfectly together immediately. And you don't spend any time making mm -hmm. decisions about how you do your builds, your frameworks, anything at all works together. And so if, if people are all using Git, hub and it all sort of just works seamlessly to uh to i don't know to do azure stuff and that's that allows you to attach to the business case of azure which is a whole lot more money <laughs> than just uh source safe basically uh so like that that case starts to make a little bit of sense if you borrow into there uh and it does report up to like scott guthrie so it means it's in this but he owns like everything that's not office and xbox as far as i can tell so <laughs> so that's fine yeah uh, 
And then, and then I guess the only other thing that I, I would think of is, um, I mean, again, there's no way that you ramp up that hundred million dollars in, in enough time to be like, uh, to, to basically make, let's say $10 billion or $15 billion off of it. Uh, and, and then the other case is like, so if you look at this as purely, and this is what a, uh, a lazy eye banker would have their interns do is, is you look at the, 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 the TAM, the total addressable market for developer stuff, which equals like app servers, version control, anything that you, an enterprise spends to run custom written software, except databases basically, which is always its own TAM. But if you look at that and, and I think in, in pivotals like S one stuff, we had a figure from IDC, but the last time I looked at it, it's basically like 28 or 30 billion annually that gets spent on developer stuff. And then if you're like, okay, over the course of five years, Microsoft will grab mm, 10 to 15 to 20% of that TAM, then you're golden, right? Like you can start to kind of like wangle this spreadsheet through, uh, through everyone. But right. you really got to have like that bigger dream and then explain how... I, I mean, I feel like you probably have to do this dance with your feet where you're like, uh, where you're like, you do some Jedi mind trick and you're like, remember that phrase correlation does not mean causation. <laughs> Why don't you pretend, pretend like you right. never heard that phrase, right? It's all correlation. <laughs> like, we're all we're using yeah. is the correlation macro here in the spreadsheets, um, which, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of how most acquisitions this size work, right? Like you don't, it's yeah. kind of ironic yeah. that most of your really my, small, my, my, yeah. most of your small acquisitions are direct causation stuff, right? Like we are missing this core functionality in this piece of software. We buy this thing for $10 million, we're done. And then we make more money. Whereas these big ones are just like, it's hard. Unless maybe you're buying like an advertising yeah. thing. So that's my, my verbal well, report. It is, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I think the way to measure this will be going forward, right? The Microsoft will have to carry... You know, the, in the financial terms, they call it the goodwill. So, like the mm, amount of money beyond just the, uh, yeah, just beyond like you know the the like the computers and the people. So, I would assume the goodwill here is going to be enormous. It's going to be like almost the entire part of this will be seven point two billion dollars in goodwill. So, in yeah. three or four years from now, we're going to know. Like, if Microsoft comes out and has like a quarter where they like lost seven billion dollars, we'll be like, <laughs> what that means is the accountants were like, we got to write this down, right? Or Maybe in five years, to your point, like it'll actually be valued worth more because they'll say like this asset along with Azure is worth like fifteen billion dollars, well, and they'll they'll move it up. But I I, I like it. And I mean, I guess it's just like because we do a tech podcast, like well, it's for us to talk about too. It's like I kind of do fall in this category. It's like, well, Microsoft has so much money. It's like, why not? Like this isn't that. Why not? It's like I mean, it's funny to say What's that, but for them, it, it's not that big. Like they're not in an existential crisis. This is not like Toys R Us. It's like we're pivoting to being a technology company and buying GitHub, right? It's like it's yeah. it's you know it's like hey, they can the absorb what they're already doing. Yeah, yeah, and they could, and I think Google could have done it. All the ones, all the major cloud vendors probably could have done it. And it will be interesting to do it. Now, I will say, because I know we're going to close out here, is just like, it is interesting to contrast this, though, if you watch the Worldwide Developer Conference at Apple. And we don't think, I don't know, I think Apple's its own entity. But, like, they showed a number that they said they, this is, um, this is like the 10th year uh, anniversary of the App Store. And they have paid out over $100 billion to developers, right, I guess, to yeah. the App Store. And it's like, that's just a staggering number. I know a lot of it's corporations and games and Kind of like a whole thing this developer world of like like how much value is being created there and what's being like direct payment in kind of like the world that Apple lives in and then kind of like this more enterprise cloud world. And it's like, wow, when I look at these Apple numbers and I stop to really like reflect on them, I mean, they're staggering the amount of money that's being – and maybe that's just like there isn't an equal metric for like enterprise software. Like I don't know what it would be, but – Maybe it'd be like enormous too, but it's just paid to salaries. Uh, but it's just an interesting way to like contrast it. I guess it was like, it was interesting that happened on Monday and then this happened on Friday. And it was mm-hmm. like, it's kind of just two different worlds to think about. Yeah, it is a good comparison. Well, just two things before we go to recommendations. One, uh, the other, you know, just as my, my ongoing nitpick with tech world coverage, like uh, it's really annoying to see sort of like 
I don't know if anyone's actually done this math, but it's it's just sitting out there waiting to be done. It's like take the number of developers or, or repos. Actually, someone did do it in, in, in Twitter. Like take the number of repos and like do the math to figure out how much each of them are worth, which is like very sloppy. Like you should figure out some scheme to find out actual active repos. Like I think I have a repo in GitHub and I haven't written code since 2006. So, so like you can't just take the straight up number of repos or even developers. You need some way of saying these are active people to value them. And then it is interesting to see, see how much you're paying per uh, developer. And then the second thing, like just to like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good opportunity to reflect like what's up with that LinkedIn acquisition. <laughs> Cause like there's a lot yeah, of, like, yeah. there's a lot of similar patterns there, right? Like, Oh, you got, you got networks and you got people and they probably, I think they might, I don't forget how much revenue they had, but it is like, and it, and it was like a big reinvention, and I think they paid even more for it. But it's kind of like, and I'm more optimistic than I am about more things that there's a good answer. But to put it in a negative way, like what's LinkedIn done for Microsoft recently? Right. <laughs> like so that well, is yeah. that, that is kind of a weird one, like to think about as far as like things are risky as far as uh, it's a good idea. I mean, when, when you when you start thinking about uh, you know, we, we could talk for another hour on this, but I'm, I'm sure we're not. <laughs> but we could talk about, you know, how LinkedIn ties into the GitHub acquisition. If they start looking at developers and what they're committing, yeah. you know, is, is Microsoft going to pierce the veil of, you know, private repos and, you know, just pull some anonymized data out of there? Oh. And, you know, you know, we, when you start looking to hire developers, you know, are they going to surface data and like, you know, this guy has 7,000 commits and, you know, three different languages and you're looking to hire one of those. Yeah. You know, can they, is, is that going to happen? You know, can we put on our tinfoil hats about all the things that could happen with this? Yeah. All right. But I think right. it's Give good. Go. I think you're, yeah. well, just the final thought is like, I think the LinkedIn probably just offers like a good insight into like, I kind of forgot LinkedIn was owned by Microsoft. So in my <laughs> world, it's like, they haven't like, I don't know if it's made them more money, but it's sort of like, they seem pretty hands off. So I think yeah. for all the people that are worried, it's like, at least for the foreseeable future, I think it's probably pretty hands off. We'll check back in a few years, right? Yeah. See what happens. Yep. All right. Well, we don't have time to list out all of the meta stuff, but if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, or look at the show notes. You can see, we don't have that many conferences coming up, but you can see places we'll be. You can get stickers for free. You just email us, uh, Brandon at softwaredefinedtalk.com. You get a sticker. And, uh, you know, you should join the Slack channel, all that. But just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, you can look up all this extra information and t shirts. Now, Matt Ray, what do you recommend? Yeah. Uh, so I just started watching a show based off of. Uh recommendations not from brandon um <laughs> of a show called <laughs> killing eve uh it, the showrunner is uh uh god what's her face um it's it's a uh, kind of a, a spy spy versus spy kind of story about uh um a, a mi5 security operative who's tracking down a, an international assassin uh it's funny it's you know it's kind of a got a i don't know it's it's an entertaining show and uh i think uh what was it phoebe waller bridge who did like fleabag and uh some of the other stuff she's one of the showrunners i think so um if you like that weird sort of british humor with some you know assassins killing people and poking people through the eye and stuff it's entertaining Mm, poking people through the eye how about yourself brandon what do you have to (laughs) recommend this week yeah, a couple things. One, I, I wanted to uh, something we've been talking about for a while, but we're talking about with the I, I got with the uh, strategy team for Software Defined Talk, and I worked with the events people. And hey, we're thinking about like having a little meetup or a conference sometime in July. So if you're actually interested, and we actually need people to like tell us that they would come, you can email me Brandon at Software Defined Talk. Com. Let me know you're interested. I was going to throw out some different ideas. Maybe we'll do it like a little happy hour thing for a couple hours. Maybe we'll get a sponsor. Maybe we'll just drink beer. Uh, but if, that, if you're in Austin, Texas, that would be the one requirement. You have to be here to attend it. Uh, let me know. Let me know if you're interested in it, and I'll uh, get together some dates. We'd love to see everyone in person. And then uh, on the recommendation front, I was going to recommend uh, the New York Times crossword app. It's uh, you know you can There's a subscription, but I also have these free software uh, – 
uh, crossword minis that are pretty quick. Like you can do them in a couple of minutes and you can feel like really smart that you finished a New York Times crossword uh, puzzle. And I think it's a very well done. I'm on the iPhone. It's a very well done app. It sort of makes the crossword much, much simpler to do. And of course you can cheat. Like when you kind of like don't know what it is, you can just uh, have it reveal it. And I, a little fun fact that I learned is that it's always like when we talk about software eating the world, um, you know, New York Times is doing well digitally, but it turns out that this crossword app has over 400,000 subscribers. And I think it's like $39 a, a year. So wow. uh, I just think it's an, a good example of uh, just a good, interesting little product that actually has a, a huge cult following. So check it out if you like crosswords. Mm. I saw I saw someone doing some sort of uh, crossword words with friends on the plane the other day. It was like it, it was uh, it was this very Austin hipstery lady, and it was kind of surprising. But everyone like they, everyone likes crosswords. Well, my recommendation, uh, as I, I, I forget if I'm, I was in Singapore, Jesus, last week was it that soon? And uh, <laughs> when, when my uh, my my pivotal sales rep friend Dennis, who lives there, we were waiting for a taxi. And uh, he, he said, does, does your wife like pepper soup? And I said, yes. And then he ran across the street and he came back out with like two boxes of the soup mix. And it's called, I'm going to mispronounce it, mis- mispronounce it. It's called Song Fa Bok Kut Te. And those are three different words at the end. And uh, I don't know. It's just these two little spice packets that you put in boiling water with 25 uh, pieces of garlic. And then you put in whatever kind of meat and other stuff that you need. And uh, I made it with short ribs pretty good and then today i made it as a chicken soup style with chicken and all the vegetables and it's all great it tastes good now i'm a little concerned because on the ingredients it lists it lists pepper white pepper we're good salt sounds good now the last uh, ingredient is spices but there's a mysterious spice which i do not want to google called permitted food enhancer e621 (laughs) so i don't know you know that that comes from the ban- <laughs> that, that comes from the banyan tree. Yeah, if if, <laughs> if if this is slowly transforming me and my family into some sort of futuristic time warrior, then that will that will explain why we look weird in the future. Uh, but, yeah, I think that was from Island of Dr. Moreau, wasn't it? Yeah, that, the, the, <laughs> the permitted food enhancer E six two one. So I'm 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 you know maybe next time I'm there I'll look for some unpermitted food enhancers, but this one I mean I'm guessing it's MSG or something, right? But Man, it makes some good soup. Permitted. <laughs> well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. This is episode 138. So unless you want to look at the show notes in your podcast listener app, which you can do, uh, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 138, and you can see all the stuff we skipped over, our sponsors. Oh, I forgot to say DevOps Days Minneapolis is in July, and we have a 20% off discount code. I think it's just SDT 2018. But go to the show notes to find out how to go to DevOps Days Minneapolis. It's a great show. You should go to it. I bet the food will be delicious and the content even more deliciouser. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we got for this week. We'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.